And welcome to yet another episode of the Dice Are Screaming podcast. Arr. Yes, it's us again, and we're back for a new year, so you're stuck with us, at least for the time being. You have been saddled once again with the shifty henchmen of gaming podcasts. Yes, motives uncertain. <laughs> yeah. It, Intentions up to no good. <laughs> yeah, you know that dagger you lost? Mm. <laughs> I'm always coming up a little short here and there on my... There was a 50-gold-piece gem that I was sure was listed in the party inventory. Darn that shifty henchman. Yep. Well, it's a new year, and the holidays are, well, behind us. Uh, We hope you had a good one, and in that mood, we have some call-ins from the holiday. And we're also going to spend time uh, giving some holiday wishes. Of course, much, much belated, as the holidays have kicked our hind ends. Oh my goodness! And yeah, we've been I busy mean, and just all sorts of stuff. I've been like a either a a one legged man in a butt kicking contest, uh, or, or one armed bill poster in a windstorm, or a <laughs> nine tailed cat in a room filled with rocking chairs. Oh. Yeah, okay. possibly a little bit of all three. Yeah, it's been a rough one, but uh, <laughs> thanks for sticking it out with us. Uh, we're going to be coming at you with this new year, so we're going to be getting to some much needed co- shout outs. Some thanks and some retrospectives from this year's past. So, without further ado, we're going to get right into it. There's some call-in. So, let's get right at it. What's up, boys? It's Joe, and I wanted to call to wish you two a super Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year, and it's just been awesome getting to know you over you know, the past year or so, 2020 is going to be rad for the both of you, I hope. And I look forward to more from you both this coming year. Peace out. All right. Hey, thanks, Joe. Uh, Yeah. And it's been good getting to know you and a lot of other people too. So Merry Christmas, man. I hope you had a good one and also a good New Year's. And that extends to everybody who listens in. We hope that your holidays were a bright and cheerful one. And of course, you weren't too... uh, Hungover from New Year's. <laughs> National Hangover Day, uh-huh. January 1st. Uh, starting the new year off with a uh, blazing headache. No, in my case, I had work at the uh, the actual physical butt crack of dawn. Yep. Uh, <laughs> could not be helped. Somebody who saw my Twitter feed seeing what I was doing at the crack of midnight, opening up those uh, bottles of dragon's milk. Oh, oh yeah, they're still large smokes. ones. Yeah. Dragon's milk. You can go look out the uh, steps there, the hand of Lannister opening them up. Which, by the way, you know, uh, yeah, a little kudo. Here we are uh, in Michigan, uh, the New Holland Brewery, uh, which does a fine job making Dragon's Milk Stout. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's moving right into the city. So I'll be able to get it fresh from the tap. Ooh, bravo. I would hate to think what a dragon's teat looks like to be milked, but... Uh, well, and the whole getting close enough to pull that off. Yeah, and I'm pretty really sure uh, 4chan or certain corners of the internet have that well covered already. But Yeah, uh, alright, fair enough that, but uh, good lord. Uh, what level is that farmer? Uh, yeah, but dragon's milk good. Then you can go look on my uh, Twitter or Facebook page and see the stages of inebriation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the actual descent into madness. Yeah. I should do something like that, but with absinthe. <laughs> First bottle, good. Second <laughs> bottle, okay. 
But the hand's laying down on the table, and then the third one is me with a sword in <laughs> <Yeah>. hand. <laughs> me, bottle of four of absinthe is, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't almost think, unreachable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah large tumbler one. Large tumbler two. No further pictures available because we're not really sure what happened after. Large tumbler, large tumbler three involves a story where pants apparently were not a social requirement. Pants are optional now with after, uh, drink number three. But yeah, yeah, you just swirl the camera around and that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> Look at no, it was indeed colors. a happy new year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, lights went out all over the world. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, so that that was New Year's, so we hope that you had a better one. I had a pretty fun one. I just basically meandered off the bed and collapsed. Um, I did not make it to see the New Year. I had to be up ridiculously, ridiculously early. <laughs> Could not be helped. So uh, there was no New Year proper for me. I was, I was out and down well before that. Yep, yeah, but uh, so... We have some shout-outs to do, some much belated ones, so we're going to get yeah. right to it. We're going to do a full round, uh, starting with our Twitter crew. Yeah, our Twitter fam. Uh, you guys have always been supportive of our podcast and always been good listeners. I'm going to throw me. it out there. Uh, you know, We're going to start off with a special thank you to One Crit Wonder. Yeah, and Hideous Laughter Podcast. Uh, our friends over at Wheel or Woe. And Skull Fungus for all his funky... Old school maps. And magnificently named Frostbeard. Yes. Uh, and not not to mention... Law Dog 2020. Oh, uh, Chicago Wiz. Yeah, and his uh, three hex a day adventures. He's now doing a podcast too, so... <gasps> yep. Oh, hey, way to go, Chicago. All right. You're and, my kind of town. Uh-huh, and, yeah, uh-huh. I see what you did there. <laughs> Ah, the DM behind the screen. You know who you are. <laughs> and also Becca at Little Whip. Yep, always liking our stuff and supporting us. So shout out to you, Becca. Bravo. Bravo to all of you. And that's our Twitter family. There's probably a lot more that we forgot or we're missing. But if you didn't get your name on here, just give us a shout out. I'll make sure that uh, we give you some extra TLC on our podcast. And you know, let's turn to our Anchor fam. This is... No surprise here, Joe Richter. Oh yeah, Joey. long time listener, first time caller. Joey with the news uh, with or with sports. With sports, uh, Joe Richter. You know. uh, also, Tim Shorts with the weather. <laughs> Larry Hamilton with the opinion. <laughs> and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Yes, a frequent caller. Oh yes, and of course, Jeremy Frostoff, the psionic. Platypus. Yeah. Yep, and of course, our good friend over at Shandy Andy at Unguarded Treasures. Love your podcast and the name. Oh, I know. Unguarded Treasure. Uh, just, ooh. Yeah, I know. I, Unguarded Treasure. What could, more could you ask for? I, literally, it's like a dream come true if you happen to have played a lot of rogues. And I have. So, and Lyrian from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Always love hearing from you. And, of course, listen to your podcast. And Dave Aldridge from D-Percentiles. Oh, yes. D-Percentiles. The man who knighted us, the literary two-headed Etten. Yes. We saved the best for life. Two-headed literary Etten. Uh. (laughs) Of gaming podcasts. Which, Which, honestly, you know, tops 
almost any of my monikers for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that one. Ah, I you know, just <laughs> I see us shambling about with clubs. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> hit them with the normally end. Right, and of uh, course to Abby Dorensky for getting the mic, which the oh, uh, yeah. cord I was trying to use with the Chromebook, I ended up not bringing it because the Inkerap for that doesn't function as well as the smartphone, so I brought the wrong cord. So we're back to using just our default microphone, which just this us, once, just, just this, this once. once. But yeah. Abby, just the same. Thank you so much. It was a remarkable gift. Yes. So we can't forget that, and. Uh, also, to Scott Bonney, one of our local cohorts who, in crime, who often uh, listens but rarely interjects except at the game night, which... Oh, yeah. We, we get an earful, especially if we take any cheap shots. <laughs> which he's been the victim of several times. <laughs> oh, for, uh, gosh, only about uh, 33 or 32 years. So, yeah, he's got some practice at putting up with our hijinks. He sure does. Uh, mine so, the worst of the bunch. So again, anybody we forgot was not intentional, just, uh, you know, it's a space and time of things. And also uh, memories fade and there's gaps in our memory because we've got memories like a sieve, like a screen door and a sub. Oh, yeah, mine is like Swiss cheese. Mm -hmm. You know, just... (laughs) Uh, I have the most amazing ability to recall minutia uh, and a uh, far, far tougher time uh, remembering very familiar things. Things that really ought to be settled and comfortable and of no concern. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our reminiscences of people we forgot to mention during the holiday season. And shout outs to fine folks. All of you listeners out there, we thank you very much for supporting our podcast and helping us out. But we're going to take a quick break, uh, do a little message, and then we're going to get right back into it. So stick around. All right, we're back, so thanks for sticking with us. Um, well, so it's a Freeform Friday, so we're really just going to have a very small segment here talking about different things. Uh, we're just going to start it off with looking back at 2019 and good riddance to you, but there were some high moments in it. and um, Yeah, as, as gaming goes, 2019 was not a banner year. Uh, whereas 2018 was chock full of amazing stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, like, bursting at the seams. 2019, somewhat weaker showing. But we got some highlights from that that we're just going to cherish. Uh, because, frankly, they deserve some applause. Uh, some yeah, awesome 20, things happened. 2018 saw the release of the Pathfinder 2nd Edition beta. And uh, finally, we got to see what the second edition fully looked like. And, uh, you know, um, it was released at Gen Con, and uh, there's been a lot of... 2019. 2019, yep. 2019, we finally got to see it. But yeah, there was been a year before, so you had time to prepare. And they released their Lost Omens and all the other goodies with that. So Pathfinder second edition is well, well on its way to... I mean, they got the Beastery one and a couple other uh, world guide. But they're well on their way to taking uh, a lot of the slack out that was left by the transition. They're not uh, sitting idle, just waiting for it. They're, they have a very ambitious release schedule. So that uh-huh. that's comforting. Um, well, and certainly, you know, showing support with lots of product. Uh, now, I, I do have a key question hmm. that I, I ask it only pro forma. Uh, 
I kind of know the answer, but I actually want to hear your thoughts on it. Oh, okay. Uh, tell me about the linchpin differences between the first edition in Pathfinder and the second. Uh, Ooh, well, right. and does it stay within the boundaries of the OGL? Well, obviously it does. Yes, obviously it. it you know, there's a lot of things. The OGL is almost limitless in its scope. I mean, there's not where the standard reference document was a little bit more uh, tied to the core rule books of third edition, 3.5. Uh, the OGL kind of just, it's just an open gaming license in the same fashion that you use a die 20 with certain things, aspects of the world's most famous role-playing game. Yeah. So you have a lot more freedom to operate, but you don't have the structures like you must do this and you must do that. Uh, and uh, also they have some kind of... Uh, Clause, I believe, Wizards of the Coast did to uh, naysay anything that didn't meet with the SRD uh, main reference document, so they could they could knock some things out. Like, but that's kind of irrelevant now because their edition is way in the past. Um, so yeah, Pathfinder Second Edition is well for for the most part, it's it's pretty much like it was before. Um, Obviously, it's a new system, so it lacks a lot of the um, a clutter that you tend to accumulate over a 10-year period of expansions and enumerated uh, rules. But uh, there's, I think, to be fair about it, the action economy is probably one of the best things about it. Um, I'm not particularly happy with some of the spells, deletions, like Teleport and a few others. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like, Right, that like once teleport entered the realm of in a wizard spell book or a sorcerer's known spells, it did tend to take a little bit out of the campaign because now you can just travel, you know, thousands of miles in the blink of an eye. And I kind of always been like, well, that's welcome to high level. Yeah, I was going to say, welcome to epic fantasy. Uh, it's on the DM to provide very radically different challenges, and it's worth mentioning that. You know, there's such a thing as uh, precedent for DMs nerfing certain abilities in certain areas. Yeah, uh, and... You know, air, air locations that are teleport-proof, and you enter this dungeon and there's not going to be any dimension door or teleport or any other little sneaky tricks to move from room to room. Um, you know, likewise blink and other effects that... Uh, so, you know, I, I I would agree with you tentatively that that may have been too extreme a decision on their part. It's it, more of a personal taste, I guess. So, I mean, it's something that they decided to do for the various reasons. And um, I think a lot of the new changes are great and uh, fundamentally sound. Uh, it is different than uh, the previous edition, but it is not so radically so that one cannot interchange. And that's my big thing, is I don't think that there's anything in there that renders... Like, if you play, like I do, Pathfinder Classic in a second, Pathfinder 2nd Edition uh, adventure or supplement comes out that you're really keen on having or incorporating, there's nothing to give you from it. So, I I am pretty much, uh, my thoughts on it are, at the end, I think that it was needed for the industry as a whole, of Paizo especially, but I also think that uh, they had to look at what was going on in the 5th Edition and they needed to increase their customer base, but... Anytime you come up with a new edition, there are always people who, you know, you play the older edition. I'm definitely not one that has to upgrade just because it's new. I upgrade because it's intrinsically sound. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, when, for me, it wasn't that it wasn't sound or needed, but I was happy where it was at. So 
Yeah. I actually was pretty accepting of this particular upgrade because uh, they let a good solid decade uh, pass between the original first edition. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a very considerable level of expansion and a large uh, increase in complexity of gameplay owed to the huge varieties and options out there. Uh, <clears throat> they published a lot of brilliant material and it just became cumbersome and heavy. Uh, I totally understand why they would exercise their, their right to oh, yeah. you know, uh, streamline it, clean up the system, and uh, start over. However, this did not invalidate uh, their previous work. You know, yeah, I was... think it, to avoid it, I, I disagree with some of the ideas about complexity. I, I really don't see it, but maybe that's just my mindset. However, I do have to say this, that if I had to take the system apart uh, piece by piece, I think it is uh, very sound, but it's just not something I need. And secondly, it's uh, something where I've done a lot of talking with my players and my groups. Nobody was particularly excited about it after looking at the beta test and the one we ran. Uh, it was Everybody said it's nice, but they want to go back to the other one. So I was like, you yeah. know, it's a familiar, It's once you've learned something and it's rote and you know how to uh, work it. It's not a big deal. For people coming in new. I, I totally, totally recommend it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is where I see the greatest strength. But uh, And much the same is true of the 5th edition of D&D, which yep. has continued to carry on strong into the new year. I should take a moment to mention that uh, they've had some marvelous releases this year. Uh, yeah, one a little, bit, which, little less than... Uh, uh, they had before. They're slowing down a little bit, but Ghost of Salt Marsh did come out. That's a, a, a key one, well worth the mention. Uh, Ghosts of Salt Marsh was, you know, a suitable tribute, mm -hmm. uh, well rendered, uh, you know, very fine publishing standards as far as the quality of the book uh, itself, and you know, good editing and you know, illustration. But it was a suitable homage. To the classic trilogy, which I have glowed about before, the the Secrets of Saltmarsh trilogy, from the British branch mm -hmm. of TSR way back in the day, uh, and they provided one of the best entry level, uh, you know, campaigns for oh, you know, between first and sixth level. I mean, if you started off as first levelers in the very first dungeon, the potential was there to get up past fifth level before it was over. Uh, and what a great intro to the game that trilogy was. And Ghosts of Saltmarsh did a nice job bringing that atmosphere back to life. Mm -hmm. uh, well oh, worth I, it. I definitely agree. The, the Greyhawk bits in it, uh, there was much contention and uh, discontent. And, well, they did the right thing yeah. in providing both a potential location in... Yep. Uh, you know, they, they provided options for whatever a DM would like. Uh, it, whether you're playing in Faroon or whether you're playing in Greyhawk. Uh, yeah, a lot of people look to it to be a shoehorn to opening the world the door to world of Greyhawk being put into 5th edition. And to which I'm kind of like, eh, well, you know, nothing's stopping you from just taking the Canaan and literature and... Uh, previous game material and transforming it into a 5th edition. I mean, it's pretty much not game edition specific. It's just information. 
Correct. And so that can be extrapolated in a number of ways. Uh, and blessedly, Greyhawk, although it's still, its published forms are effectively first edition and or second edition. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's the rule systems under which you know, Greyhawk material was still released. Uh, that having been said, um, it is wonderfully flexible yeah, in yeah. terms of just being a setting. There are not a lot of rules. There are a lot of names. There are a lot of places, a lot of population numbers, uh, likely creatures to inhabit a region. Yeah, and uh, a lot also of data. events and lore that happened during the uh, and from the ashes box set. And these are not bound by really strict rule mm-hmm. set requirements. So all you don't like from the ashes, just play it from year common year five seventy two and just call it good. Which coincides, of course, to five seventy two when they first started, I guess, playing around with the world of Greyhawk as a uh, setting for the war games. But uh, yeah, anyway, you know, we've talked uh, plenty about the old days. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but it, it was well worth the mention. But yes, uh, Ghost of Salt Marsh again. Um, it was a much anticipated one. I'm glad to see it did pretty well. Uh, so it's one thing, Savage World Adventure Edition hardback came out in September of 2019, and of course it was... Uh, Very you know, well-received, actually. Yeah, Savage Worlds, you know, Deadlands, uh, Weird War, and a couple other uh, supplements that are off that. You know, Savage Worlds is a pretty uh, comparable system, and uh, it does encompass a lot. You can do a lot of stuff with it. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I probably think of all the games out there rather than... Other than GURPS, I think it's the most versatile system. I don't know about the new one, Fantasy Flight Games, from their uh, universal system that they used in the Star Wars and uh, part of it from Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 3rd Edition. Um, the one with all the funky dice. You know, the eight-siders with different uh, colors and uh, symbols upon them. Oh, I forget what the system's called off the top of my head. But yeah, the, uh, Savage Worlds, other than that, I think is uh, those two are... My top ones, nothing against GURPS per se, except for the fact that <clears throat> as a setting neutral system, GURPS plays really well, but uh, I think it does best with uh, a really strong system. And I think Savage Worlds has, you know, three or four good settings that are strong systems to just start play with. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, Torg Eternity, which came out in uh, 2017 is uh, still going pretty strong. And, you know, there was some talk of adapting that to Savage Worlds, but they oh. let the uh, Torg system pretty much stand alone. Okay. Which was a die 20 system, to be honest, and without classes or uh, levels, of course. It's just basically the skill system and all that. But, uh, you know, that was 2019. wasn't as big a year, except for, of course, the Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which, again, as we... You know, maybe we will do a conversation about it, but it pretty much is, you know, it's up to you, uh, up to each person, I think, to determine what's best for them. I think that uh, well, I, I played second edition AD&D right when it came out. I was very excited for a new edition, and I liked the streamline, but I also liked the detail that was in uh, first edition D&D, like with the assassins and demons and all that dark, nasty stuff. I kind of liked it, so uh, I yeah, kept that I, in my campaign without a problem. Yeah, we were... We were a little unenthused at the time about the second edition uh, removal, the the excision of objectionable material to 
please people. I'm like, really? Like, now I can't kill demons and devils. I gotta kill Tanari and Badazu. Well, they didn't even have that. Yeah, you know, let's let's not even kid ourselves. They weren't even uh, entertaining anything from the lower planes other than in brief passing mention. You know, they had a couple creatures that kind of could be demonic, but... Yeah, that that was the supplementary material that came along a little bit oh, later. Oh, yeah, especially after Planescape. They definitely like, okay. Then yeah, the, the heat's off. You know, we'll we'll let these back out again. Uh, I was not particularly enthused by that, but uh, I got to hand it to them that it was an appropriate choice to make. The second edition of D&D was, uh, they really had to move forward because mm-hmm. the first edition was extremely chaotic. I, there were such a wide variety of nobody material. played it, despite the intentions of Gygax and others. Nobody played D anD D, Advanced Universe, uh, Dungeons and Dragons First Edition by the book or the same way in different groups ever. But it was kind of a nice thing that usually within just a few uh, rounds or a few uh, minutes of contact with a new group or new player, you could explain the rules and also what. Uh, the house rules were how the game all flowed. It wasn't really a complex matter. And I think that's the best thing is that when you used, uh, got in the second edition, it was pretty standard from table to table. Yeah, they, they brought a lot of the ah, giant question marks that hung over. Mm-hmm. Like how to handle surprise and segments uh, rather than rounds. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, and I a, could go on. A, a but, linear... Uh, and well indexed, um, <laughs> dungeon I'm not my hand here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and do not take this as a harsh criticism because I truly love my first edition DM guide. I love it. It's a crazy hodgepodge quilt of material that I still read to this day, just for leisure, uh, just because it's fun. I I love it very much, but it is a crazy hodgepodge quilt of material. You you cannot tell what. Uh, it, you might as well open pages at random and just to have that moment of discovery. Oh, yes, the table for this. Oh, there's the little listing of all the gemstones. and You know, just <laughs> uh. you know what? Uh, I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, for my um, Pathfinder group on Mondays, I have an alchemist. And I use that uh, table in the back for the Reputed magical properties of herbs and gems. Yes. When he's, you know, getting bizarre, uh, crazy, and he wants to do this. Well, you got to go get this fruit. You got to go get this type plant. And, you know, you have to get an alvemic made from this type of base metal. Oh, geez. So, you know, it adds a sort of feel of alchemical science, which was a hodgepodge of weird... Crazy notions and properties and folklore. The mortar and pestle must be of brass. Yep. Uh, Thank you. True story. Uh, mm-hmm. There was actually a remedy that uh, from the ancient world that somebody had dug up. And the instructions were very specific. Uh, and it was the yeah. property of the uh, ingredients being ground and mixed in a brass mortar and pestle. that, Or from a femur bone of a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hung man. Oh, but it was the the interaction that the various uh, ingredients had with the brass that made them actually 
a viable uh, remedy for certain ailments. And uh, <laughs> how somebody had figured that out, uh, you know, some somewhere in the neighborhood of like, uh, you know, 400 to 800 years ago. I can't remember exactly when or, or how, but uh, they had gotten it down to that specific that it was a brass mortar and pestle was required to get this effect. Uh, tells you about the degree of experimentalism going on there. That also, it doesn't, uh, you know, get static electricity and discharge randomly. All right. Yep, yep. There's that too. Uh, I, Hello, phosphorus. <laughs> and nitrates. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's a lot of stuff like that that I use, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't, of course, overabuse it. I don't like, oh, you're, you're in a tropical area. You obviously can't find that. Um, you know. It's a magical world with a large set of people who are conversant in the properties of magical herbs. And where there is magic, there is a demand. And where there is demand, there is profit. Oh, true. You can you just raise the price if you're suitably far away from civilization where that product would be easily found. Uh, or... For the business-minded, go to the source, mm. buy it cheap and in bulk, where they've got piles of it just yeah, laying see, around. There you go. See, the, this is what I have to deal with. He, he turns every campaign into a mercantile enterprise. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I cannot be trusted. <laughs> not kidding. He's not kidding about this at all. I cannot be trusted. If for one second any non-fighter character of mine you know, any, any mercantile-minded character of mine determines that a product is worth a lot more far away from its source than, like, guys, guys, we got to do an expedition. <laughs> well, you know, I've often spoke that Abdar, the priesthood of Abdar, the god of wealth, sets the prices for dime, raw diamonds and diamond dust because they're used in true resurrection, restoration, and stone skin spells. Ah. So. Yeah, keeping that out of the market. Well, you know, That's keeping right. it available, but not readily available. Not cheap. Okay. Expensive, but oh, not no. rare. But yeah, I can't even be trusted with simple things like spices. What do you mean pepper sells for four times more in this country? Oh, that's it. We're spice traders now. <laughs> 400 pounds of pepper later. I'll never regret. Right. I'll never live down and live out the regret I had from giving four tons of pepper in a pirate ship to him as Barak Stormbrow. Ah, uh, yes. Four <laughs> tons of pepper? You know how much that is? That's a lot of pepper. Yeah, well, you know, it's also a lot of profit. <laughs> I see, I'm going to go to the old sea princes and trade it out there where it's really rare and in high demand. And I'm going to take that money and I'm going to buy... I ship. should have just done what Jim did to Dwight in the office about the magic legumes. <laughs> I just should have followed Jim's on that. I'll explain that some other time. If, for those of you who've watched The Office, you, you know what I'm talking about. Nonetheless, uh, so what to look forward in 2020? Well, um, you know, here Pathfinder is coming into uh, its... Uh, Second edition is going to start coming more to its own. Uh, they're going to have the advanced players guide out here shortly, so I look forward to that. I also been looking at uh, the Starfinder uh, character operations manual, um, and I also expect to see uh, 
a lot of good things from them. I've been really impressed with the attack of the Swarm Adventure Path. Very much uh, Starship Troopers or uh, uh, anti-Zerg uh, Starcraft. For the KP. Swarm. Yeah. Got them down in mass numbers. Oh, Bug Hunt. Mm-hmm. And the Aliens RPG. Really? Said, yeah, it's... I. This almost... I've only caught a whiff of it. I've only seen a few people post about it, so I don't know much about it. Um, I like the aliens uh, idea, and definitely uh, some of the stuff with Prometheus was interesting, and I think had some meat on it for a role playing campaign. But if I'm going to do aliens, here's where my bias shows. I'm going to do Traveler. I'm sorry. I'm just going to take a Traveler campaign and just make my own aliens and uh, explore my own lore. So that way, I don't have a bunch of background radiation to overcome from trying to talk about, well, if I want to deviate from the lore or I want to establish kind of my own twist for this particular scenario, I don't have to overcome the background count to make my vision be the one that's at this table at this time. Because following Kanan sometimes can be great. Sometimes it can lead you into good, fun places like The Mandalorian. Other times, it can take you into what is eventually going to boil down to nerd slaps. You know, where, <laughs> you know, they said that this thing happened to the, actually, the, the lore for the Xenomorphs are is they started from a singular planet. But didn't, I, I don't, okay, I, I accept that there is a, a lot of stuff that happened before I sat down to play this game. But what I'm doing right now is based off my imagination, and this is what I know of it, what's provided in the rule books, and what's provided from the information I have available to me at this time. Not what somebody wrote in an obscure comic book or novel that wasn't accepted by the major studio or the people who uh, keep the canonical role of what is acceptable and what no. is not. If I wanted nothing but pure Canaan, it wouldn't be a role-playing game. It, it wouldn't be a role-playing game at all. It would just be like, we're going to go screen the movie. We're yeah. going to go watch it again. Because, yeah, there's a number of good movies in the Aliens series. Uh, I'm especially fond of one and two, but, uh, yeah. you know, it, it provided a lot of entertainment to a lot of people. But if I want a role-playing game, some imagination better be involved. There yeah. better be something I did not watch. Uh, or I'm going to be somewhat on the board side. But uh, at the same time, um, Traveler, you know, that's the difference is I can put an alien-like xenomorph in there without too much problem. Mm. And nobody will know where it came from or what its purpose is. It could have been a bioengineered weapon by a long-dead race, like a.k.a. the Zerg or the Tyranids. Or it could be something that is both mysterious and unknown, almost... Um, Cthulian-esque. I mean, let's coming face it. Coming out of the walls. They're coming out yeah. of the goddamn walls. You know, horrific in its intent. I mean, if you were surrounded, if you, we were surrounded by a hive-minded group of creatures who were highly aggressive, <laughs> uh, they would seem nightmarish in the extreme. But uh, anyway, yeah, I digress. Yeah, rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Great guy. I digress about that, and... Uh, but uh, that's what this ramble's about, kicking around. Uh, yeah. Some other stuff, I mean, right now, I've been doing, uh, have been a whole lot of gaming over the holidays. I got a game in right before Christmas, and that's pretty much where we've been. Um, yeah, I had the misfortune of working on Night Shift for a goodly portion of this. And as a consequence of that, uh, I found myself uh, <laughs> with 
getting home in the middle of the night uh, and with a couple of hours to go before bedtime. So the, the only gaming time I got in uh, was you know, somewhere between 3 and 5 in the morning, uh, <laughs> which necessitated uh, doing a little retro gaming on my own since uh, the only time I was going to be awake and free was in the middle of the night. There was no hope of being at a game table with anybody. Uh, so I, you know, savored a couple of old classics that I, I dredged up and, and rebooted, uh, including uh, portions of the earlier Elder Scrolls saga, uh, Morrowind and Oblivion, mm. uh, as well as a uh, few happy rounds of Age of Empires uh, 3. Mm. And uh, I believe uh, some, some of the Civilization variants, uh, and I'm actually probably going to try out, try my hand at a little bit of Diablo 2 expansion uh, mm. before it's over. Lord uh, of Destruction. Yeah, should I happen to have enough time to do so, uh, it would be nice. But the retro gaming has been a, has been a pleasure, uh, but it was mostly to alleviate uh, the hole in my life from pretty much constant work and absence from gaming tables. Uh, which has finally been rectified. I, I got some game on oh, good. with the 5th edition group yesterday. All right. Throud the Brave. Uh, Half-Orc Ranger. Rides again. Uh, Rides and I, on a I had a terrific game. I rolled well most of the way throughout. Uh, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe slugfest with uh, Hezru Demon. Mm. And uh, came out on top. Uh, with, you know, obviously lots of participation from others. But for once, I, I wasn't riding a series of critical fumbles. So... <laughs> well, maybe 2020 will be less bare bit for you than last year. Well, yeah, I mean, it literally, the year starts with 220. That's like two natural 20s. Yeah, we are okay. in the uh, year of the crit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess like my whole uh, bit built by doing campaign work, but... I did download Exidy's 1980 Venture game. For those of you who know that. Oh, wow. Little little uh, red smiley face guy with a bow going into a dungeon. Pelting. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely got, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I used to be really good at this game. You know, just swaggering and got slapped down. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, game. Me and you. So after some... Practice runs and <laughs> being chastened suitably. Yeah, I uh, I cleared it out, reset it, and I was like, "Yeah, back in the saddle." But no, that's that's one of those coin op games that you know to, I probably spent like a good portion of twenty six, twenty seven dollars getting good at, all for nothing. You know, then I had it on the ColecoVision, which was kind of like. Mm. Uh, not the same as Arkham. No, no. The Arkham, you go and play the ColecoVision, they're a little slower, a little clumsier, and uh, a little bit more generous. I mean, you can't up the difficulty level, but, uh, yeah, uh, the the arcade version ain't no, it, no mercy, man. That's that's designed to strip money out of your hands, and it ain't, it ain't gonna go down easy. <laughs> kind of like Berserk after the 30th level, it, there's just no, just run. Just there's no fighting the robots. <laughs> so just don't touch the walls. My Diablo three technique. 
<laughs> find the nearest exit and head right straight for that blasting thing in your way and don't stop to Don't go. stop running. Ah! Yeah. Well yeah, those that you, you don't get much retro. You know, somebody was saying that um you know the video game industry is uh you know too too soft on people. Yeah. <laughs> well, when they were earning their pay one quarter at a time. They made sure they earned every minute that you played that game. Oh yeah, they and if you got good, it got good because you spent some money. You had there was an quarters went yeah. into that practice session. Ten twenty dollars, you know, just to get the base level feel of the game. And mind you, that's like nineteen eighty two dollars. So <laughs> yeah, five dollars was weekly allowance for me, and I would easily throw that away on those coin art uh, coin ops. So. But yeah, so uh, all right, so we've just definitely gone off the weeds and off the rails. So it's time to reel it in and uh, bring it back home. Uh, we're looking forward to a lot of things about twenty twenty. Hope it's going to be a good year. Uh, yeah, last year was pretty darn good. And as far as gaming goes, I we had a lot of good games, and I hope to wrap up a couple campaigns here and uh, start some new ones in the year. So um, me as well. I will be returning to the DM table. All right, after a half year hiatus. Uh, you know, sometime this summer, and I have not made up my mind firmly on where I want to go with this. I, I could be tinkering with uh, uh, first edition once again. Uh, I might resurrect a second edition uh, campaign, uh, just because you know there's a lot of there. There are a number of first edition campaigns out there uh, these days, at least in our neck of the woods. There's a couple of them floating about uh, with first edition having mm-hmm. regained popularity. Uh, I have done that for three and a half, four years. Uh, more, actually. Yeah, I was about to add. I've been doing that for a while. Yeah, one particular campaign was uh, somewhat more than three and a half years, but others, uh, you know, prior to that, you tack it all together, and that's like six, seven years of, of you know, serious first edition D&D. It might be nice to change gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I haven't absolutely fixed on what it is I'd like to do. But no, I'll I'll crow about it at some point once uh, I'm closer to the actual date. All right. But, um, yeah, we wish everyone a good and prosperous New Year. Hope it's happy for you all. And, we uh, really do. I'm not even kidding. Here's to 2020 being a remarkable year. Yeah, man, we'll see what it brings. But uh, as always, um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can forward them to our Anchor app, and we'll put you on the air with any of your questions or observations about what we talked about. Or if you have anything that you'd like us to add or take us to task for something we may have missed or boned up, you can, of course, get a hold of us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at Death Hand Gaming. And myself at Magi Vox. All right. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, our Facebook page has plenty of time and opportunity for you to vent your spleen about something we got wrong or to praise oh, us if we did really well. Or any ideas about future episodes. Ow, we're always I open for those. I love her. Ow. Yeah, those quick cards. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, we've uh, done more on our good welcome and abused your drums for far too long. So, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.